Hi, good afternoon. It's so nice of you to join us today for CIO Leadership Live. I'm Mary Fran Johnson, the Executive Director of CIO Programs here at IBG, and I am very fortunate today to be joined by Shannon Gath, who is the Head of Technology for AMAG Pharmaceuticals here in Waltham, Massachusetts. Shannon joined the company in 2017, bringing more than 20 years of experience in IT along with her. AMAG is a mid-sized $440 million biopharmaceutical company founded in 1981. The company specializes in drugs used to treat anemia, at-risk pregnancies, and other women's health conditions. Before her current role at AMAG, Shannon was the Vice President of IT Operational Excellence at Fidelity Investments, and before that, she served as Director of Global Information Services at Vertex Pharmaceuticals. She started her career out as a mechanical engineer and holds a BS in mechanical engineering from Tufts University. Thanks so much for joining us today, <laughs> Shannon. Thank you for having me. All right, let's start out um, talking a little bit about AMAG Pharmaceutical and its place in the biopharmaceutical industry, because I think, I think everybody these days is paying a lot more attention to healthcare and a lot more interested in what the things that are going on on the healthcare frontiers. So I know we have a lot of great stuff to talk about, but let's start, let's get a little more specific about your company. About the company in itself. So um, like you said, you know, the company's about 40 years old. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they went public in 1986 with the first drug around 2009, Farahim focused on anemia. Mm -hmm. And then shortly after that in 2014, I believe, um, they launched um, McKenna, which was to mm -hmm. reduce the risk of um, reoccurring preterm birth. And yes. then in 17, we launched a drug, Intrarosa, which is for postmenopausal women mm -hmm. um, that suffer from menopausal symptoms of painful sex. And then we look to launch next year mm -hmm. another commercial product called Vilisi, which helps uh, premenopausal women with uh, low sex desire. Okay. So we have a, a broad portfolio of commercial products, but uh, you know the recent changes for us is we also brought in house two more development assets. So, you know, still going through the investigational periods, um, working towards an FDA approval. Mm -hmm. One for helping with preeclampsia, and another one as a, a reversal agent for co uh, anticoagulants. So. The big change for AMAG as a whole is, you know, not only focusing on our commercial success, but also broadening the portfolio to have development assets in-house so we have sort of longer-term plans um, of revenue and, and, and sort of having durable products in the, in the portfolio. Mm -hmm. So it's it's been a big change for us because yeah. um, we've put a lot of focus on commercial, and now we're really building new capabilities in the clinical side of the house. Okay. Well, and I noticed that, too. When I was doing a little bit of research on AMAG, I came across a couple of analyst views talking about the company and uh, calling AMAG a great investment for biotech investors and noting the innovative technology and continuous product development. Yeah. So it just it does seem like uh, one of those companies where technology is greatly respected and is definitely a big part of the growth strategy. It absolutely is, and I felt uh, nothing but complete top-down support since the first day I was there. That's yeah. excellent, yeah. excellent. Well, and one of the things, um, let's go up fly up 30,000 foot view <laughs> and talk about uh, the biopharma pharmaceutical industry. What is disrupting things, the kind of things that are changing for your customers? Um, I think one of the things you mentioned was that life science companies today all face similar headwinds in the yeah. market. Talk a little bit about that. You know, I think um, the way I see it, I try to put myself into sort of a, a, a 
patient lens, right? Mm. So if I think about healthcare in, in a broader sense, um, what I think we're all trying to work towards and achieve to is, you know, where the patient experiences convenience, low cost, quality outcomes, mm -hmm. and and respect uh, privacy is a, a big concern for those mm -hmm. patients as well. So I think all the companies, whether you're a pharmaceutical or a payer or a caregiver, um, working towards a place where that's the experience of a patient, I think everything else falls in line. The revenue is expected for, yeah. for strong companies' performance. But I think... You know where I see things going. You're you're gonna have an integrated network that's connecting patients, caregivers, and logistics. Um, ah. And if you think about mm -hmm. the players in that space, you know you have the big e-commerce giants of Alibaba and mm -hmm. Amazon who are slowly working their way into the healthcare industry by you know p acquiring I think Amazon bought PillPack recently, um, mm -hmm. and they're starting to get into that space. And guess what? They are fantastic at execution. Um, you know, so not only are they good at the customer experience, they're top notch, but they're also able to manage the logistics of getting, you know, products to consumer quickly um, in a way that satisfies the customer. Yes. Right. So they're going to play a big part in that network. I think pharmaceutical companies need to keep an eye on that and also figure out. They need to be a valued part of that network and, mm -hmm. and have their contribution to it. And the, the companies that figure that out are the ones that are, are going to be successful. Yeah. Well, and it's inevitably going to be very strongly based in the technological capabilities yes. that you can deliver. I'm thinking of some healthcare CIOs I've interviewed, and they've talked about um, connecting to Alexa. Yeah. So Alexa can, I guess, speak up and remind patients, you know, it's time to take your medicine, yeah. that sort of thing. Uh, I th there seems like there's going to be more and more of that going on. Um, one of the things, you also mentioned that you're seeing a big pivot going on in the market with kind of the older school life science companies even joining in on this, where you move from not just a focus on hospitals and um, doctor's offices, but direct to consumer. Absolutely. I think, yeah. you know, I talk about that patient lens of convenience, right? Yes. So I, I think figuring out how to make you know, your products work in a convenient fashion for patients is really important. So I think um, as far as a technology perspective goes, telemedicine is huge in that space. Yeah. And AMAG is already, uh, you know, marching in that direction. Our president, Bill Hyden, is a, a big fan of telemedicine. And it's, mm -hmm. you know, you think about it, you know, trying to schedule a doctor's appointment, drive down, commute down mm -hmm. to the hospital, parking fees, all that stuff is so inconvenient. Like, it, everyone's busy, right? So, yeah. you know, for me, more often than not, I'd put off a doctor's appointment. But, yeah. you know, you think about being 8 o'clock at night on your couch, hitting a button and being directly connected to a physician that can diagnose and prescribe, yes. you know, it, it makes it, you know, a better patient experience. You're, you're dealing with things as they happen. It's convenient. And then, you know, the industry benefits as well. Mm -hmm. So I think telemedicine is going to be a big one. I think you know, oh, you talk yeah. about text messaging. That's convenience, too. So, you know, say I'm, I'm taking a vitamin three times a day, getting that reminder. It's hard to think of that That's three right. times a day. So yeah. not only are you getting people to adhere to the dosing cycle, which is going to be your best outcome, mm -hmm. then the pharmaceutical industry is also benefiting because their product is being consumed, right? Yes. Well, and, and then the product is bringing about the results it's supposed to. That's right. Because it's being properly administered. I had a, an experience like that this week where I mean, I've just recently started working with a doctor who 
has a portal. Yeah. And it it's so cool and so interesting. And I needed to change an appointment. Yeah. And that's usually agonizing. You usually have to call. You have to get them at the two hours a day that someone is answering the phone. Yeah. You've got to explain. You've got to go through all that. <laughs> They'll call you back. I went on the portal and was able to see the calendar and just like click, click. Move yeah. myself into a new time. It was amazing. Yes. I was just so even the littlest things like that can very much impress patients. Yeah, and I yeah. think like telemedicine will be part of that integrated ecosystem, sure. right? Yeah. They're going to play a yeah. big role. And I think you know just having smartphones connected to sensors. I think it was uh, Roche that recently did an MS study, and yeah. they were able to have people that were suffering from MS, which is near and dear to my heart because we have people in my family that actually mm-hmm. are, are struggling with it. But mm-hmm. they would be able to connect to their smartphone from the comfort of their home connected to sensors with you know gyroscopes and whatnot to measure yeah. like you know their balance how is that changing and you know are they able to twist their wrists you know at a certain instance and then they can mm-hmm. see how the disease is progressing in each individual they have so much more data than what they would get by waiting for that patient to come in and check into a clinic and yeah. and whatnot so then you're you're better informing companies to know how better to attack those diseases right so you know, it's yeah. fairly interesting stuff yeah well and um you mentioned also when we talked earlier that um, you know and communicate with a lot of life sciences CIOs I do. and that there's a lot of great and I find this often with CIOs in many different industries where there's kind of an open network of sharing because everybody's trying to solve problems that yeah. are in many ways very similar. Absolutely. Uh, talk a, a little bit about that. You said you, you all have like you text each other, right? <laughs> we, yeah. do. we have a Slack <laughs> chat, um, uh-huh. you know, so that, that we can stay connected with one another. That's I mean, uh, you know, I was talking to someone today about how, you know, we're all, you know, I'm a cloud first company, right? So mm-hmm. pretty much everything that we have is in the cloud. Um, so our financials are run on Oracle Fusion Cloud. When they run into a problem at Oracle, all the clients that are using that platform are going to need to work together to figure out how to address it, right? Mm -hmm. So having that convenience um, of connection, it helps make sure that we're all making the right choices on behalf of our companies. Okay. So it is really important. Well, and uh, you mentioned, too, we were talking about the patient and the digital side of the house um, at, at AMAG. How has that how has that changed since you got there? Your uh, your title, you're a VP and head of technology, yeah. um, but it all belongs to you. So, do you have uh, like a special digital team? What talk a little bit about how you approach the kind of the digital transformation aspects of of what the company's doing? Yeah, I mean, there's technology. You know, uh, people that were smart with technology in a lot of different areas of the company. I mm-hmm. think all companies need to be you know orchestrated like that. Um, you know, I think I look at the the role of IT as being sort of integrators of all that. I think we've had a lot of good ideas come out of our digital marketing team yeah. in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were really champions for a social media platform that we we installed last year. Mm-hmm. We have more stuff coming up in the next year uh, as sort of near-term priorities to help that with the patient journey. So, you know, it's spread across. Um, and I think what we try to make sure is that we set up the right governance to put the good ideas on the table to figure out what's the next best thing for okay. us. Okay. Yes, you had mentioned yeah. that you've got some really great marketing thought leaders. Yeah, we do. And and our, well, and it, that always seems like a, a first step 
uh, when IT and marketing are working together, I mean, the kind of power that can come out of that collaboration, it it gets other business units in the company wanting to work with IT as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, like for our, I was recently in a working session with my leadership team to develop the 2019 priorities for the team. Mm -hmm. So one of our overarching goals is continuing to aspire to be a high-performing team. And Mm -hmm. one of the actions underneath that was to make sure that everyone in technology really understands each of the patient journeys for each of our products because I think naturally technologists are problem solvers and if they understand the big picture it doesn't matter if you're a help desk technician or a strategist um, if you understand it I think that's where your ideas start to come and and AMAG as a whole gets to harness the collective intelligence of the entire organization so you know we'll we have regular um, on all hands meetings with the whole technology team Mm -hmm. and we'll bring in like marketing leaders we had Megan Rivera who's fantastic for leading that Vilesia effort um, come and speak to how we see that product, what the challenges are, and and that better arms my team to contribute. Well, and I think I've seen this going on across other industries too, where that 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 long term desire to get IT and business speaking the same language, and working yeah. together and collaborating, seems to really be happening so much more now as IT people get a real context of what the jobs they're doing, what it leads to. Yeah, you know, absolutely. There's just, um, well, now, you came to um, you came to AMAG from Fidelity Investments. So you I came did. in from the financial industry. What was it about, I guess before that, you were in pharmaceutical, but how did your background kind of prepare you for the role you came in for, and what were your marching orders when they brought you in? You, came, you joined in the middle of 2017. Yes, yeah, so... Yes. Um, my career has been kind of, I've been pretty deliberate. Of, I mean, you, you're joking mm-hmm. with me about being an engineer earlier, but um, I have been pretty <laughs> I'm <just> deliberate. Jealous. <laughs> I'm just jealous. I was a journalism major, so, you know. But I've, I've been pretty mm-hmm. deliberate with my career. So, yeah. you know, I actually started out as an engineer, but in a startup. Mm-hmm. So you wore a lot of hats. And I'm, oh, I tend to be okay. somebody that wants to understand everything. So one of my roles was to implement an uh, MRP system. We didn't have a technology team. Oh, yeah. So, you know, my role was to implement that, but I want... I went out and trained myself as a, a developer so I could speak intelligently mm-hmm. with the, you know, developers. And then I'm like, did. now I need to speak <laughs> to the DBA. So I trained myself as a DBA and yeah. et cetera. So I've, I've trained up on all those roles. I played different parts of them. Yeah. But then went from sort of a startup company to a high-tech company, um, wow. which was sort of a smaller company, and then to a mid-sized company, which, yeah. you know, was also in high-tech, and then to pharma, which be- was small growing oh. into mid. Yes. And then off to financial services to experience the larger companies. So having experienced different size company and what works really well, Mm -hmm. I bring that to companies like AMAG who, you know, are on this journey, right? And and hopefully they become big, right? But I want to be that person that understands what what do they need at at this size versus what works at this size, right? Right, And making sure you're, you're not putting too much red tape in place mm-hmm. uh, that you're tailoring it to the environment so it can be as successful as possible. So I think that's kind of what, what I've been able to bring to the organization. Yeah. Well, and that actually speaks well um, for AMAG, for the board and the CEO, that they didn't get all hung up on, we need a, you know, we need a particular type of CIO who's got this much experience in pharma only. Yeah. I have friends who are executive recruiters, and they go through that, yeah. where they've got somebody who's got some a fabulous mixture of experience, but the company's like, no, 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 we need somebody who's an expert in railroad transportation. Yeah. You know, and I, I really think a CIO is a CIO across all kinds of different industries. I agree. So I, I just find it, I, it, I'm always fascinated by the career paths, because 
because I think it, it speaks to how close uh, CIOs have gotten to, well, the basic businesses yeah. as well. Uh, that was something I, I mentioned that I've noticed with a lot of my guests on the show. I could be talking to any one of the senior business executives at the company, and it's just, I almost have to remember to like, oh, let's talk some stuff about <laughs> technology while we're here. Um, well, and uh, let's, uh, let's go back to your entry into the, the company, and you had mentioned that one of the first things you did was centralizing the technology spend. Sure. So what's your before and after picture and the kind <laughs> of things that you did in that first 90 days or your first year? Yeah, it was interesting. So after taking the leadership role, about 90 days in, I was asked to give an update to the board, yeah. um, which was a good point of reflection for me. And I look back and realize how much actually happened in, in those 90 days. And, mm -hmm. and I felt like it was not so much a, a success for me or my team, but actually a demonstration of how strong the company values are in my organization. So mm -hmm. our, our president, Bill Hyden, is fantastic. And he mm -hmm. really makes sure that our core values are woven into everything that we do. Hmm. Um, and at our company, it's about accountability, sense of urgency, transparency, and collaboration. Oh. So I was just going to ask you if you could reel off the core values. Uh, I guess I can. <laughs> I, guess you <laughs> I didn't can. know I had that in me, yes, but I do. I know. Um, but but that's. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think if you ask a lot of AMAC leaders, they'd be able to do that as well because yes. it, it is part of how we operate. Mm -hmm. But you think about you know. So one of the first things I did, like you said, was centralized technology, which by the way could be a political nightmare, right? You're basically mm -hmm. saying, hey, I'm going to take your budget and put it over here, yeah. which you know is not an easy conversation. But I think what you saw, mm -hmm. what I experienced, was the leadership across the organization understood that it was the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, because basically on day one, if you ask me, how much does AMAC spend on technology? I could not give you an answer. It was a black box. Yeah. So by mm -hmm. moving, you know, we moved it over, but we also brought full transparency to it. Um, but we also did that in conjunction with standing up a cross-functional governance group. So that, mm -hmm. that has been critical. Mm -hmm. So now you have leaders from every area of the business. So there's people from commercial, legal, HR, that all have a say. And for every dollar that we have for technology, where's the next best place to be spending it for AMAG? Mm -hmm. And you know, centralizing the technology would only have been half of, halfway there. Yeah. You really make sure that you know, technology is not making decisions in a vacuum. Um, the only way to make sure we're doing it right is to have cross-functional perspectives. And making sure the leaders around that table are using an enterprise lens to do it. Okay. Yeah, and that's Excellent. been a big shift for AMEG. But I think that, yeah. you know, it, it's been really healthy for the company. Mm -hmm. um, we, you know, governance, no one likes that word, but we try to keep it lightweight governance. So, you know, yeah. at AMEG, the approach that we've taken is uh, a single business case is basically answering four questions. So if you're going to come ask for six figures oh. funding, okay. you, you need to be, or more, um, mm -hmm. you need to be able to answer, like, what's the problem you're trying to solve? Yeah. What do we expect the value to be to the organization when you're done? Are you increasing revenue? What are you doing? Mm -hmm. How much is it going to cost me? And then what are the risks associated with it? And what that does is you take all these opportunities, and now you have apples-to-apples apples comparison around what's the next best thing for yes. AMAG. And we that whole leadership team of the we call it the Strategic Technology Committee, mm -hmm. um, literally stack ranks all of these investments. So it does a couple things. And on the execution mm -hmm. side, so you know it helps you understand what are the priorities to be funded, but from an execution perspective, you know, you have people that um, work in either quality assurance or in infrastructure that work on multiple projects. 
when they're in the heat of whatever's happening and they have to make a trade-off decision, they already know how the leadership values those priorities. And they can say, uh-huh. I don't. this is a priority five and this is a priority two, so I'm going to focus yeah. my energy here. And what that does from a, a corporate perspective, it makes sure we're delivering the most important investments for the yes. company. Well, and that, that is a... a uh, that can be a really serious business failing when you have too many priorities and they aren't ranked in yes. any way. When you just you really don't know the most important stuff. So, it's, uh, yeah. um, well, and I, I love that idea that nobody wants to, to hear the word governance. <laughs> it's so true. Every now and then, at, uh, when I was um, editing CIO magazine, we yeah. would try to we would discuss the idea about maybe we should do a cover story on governance. Yeah. And everybody would just kind of hang their heads and say, <laughs> "Who's going to want to talk to us about that?" And yet, it's so vital. It is to the collaboration with the business, and you know that feeling. I think people hear the word governance and they think it's Politburo or something, that it's all politics and fighting over scarce resources and that sort of thing and who's got the most political weight right? uh, and that sort of thing. But you've actually, so you've worked this governance process into the Strategic Technology Committee and how it evaluates all the projects. That's absolutely correct. Now, how many projects in a year Get accomplished this way? Are we talking like a few dozen or hundreds? Or, I mean, how? So, our portfolio really focuses on probably the top 10 major programs. Mm -hmm. All right. We bring transparency to a lot of the other smaller developments, but for the most part, it's pretty much the top 10 that we're tracking. Yeah. Well, and um, let's talk a little bit about how IT. how you reorganized IT and restructure. We, we, you mentioned that you've got different heads of um, different leadership areas. I know you established a PMO office. Yeah. It, all of these things were not in place before. Uh, so talk a little bit about that. Sure. Uh, I think the major tr- trigger point to, to restructure the team is, one, you want a scalable structure. So you know our business strategy is to grow through M&A. So mm-hmm. you want a structure that no matter how many more products get added to the portfolio, you're not really changing around your team. Yeah. Um, Because that will just disrupt and slow down. So um, the big change was was to get more business-centric. So we have leaders that represent the three major areas of the business. So for us, it's commercial, R&D, and G&A. Those leaders are accountable for making sure we have a multi-year strategic plan, which is an integrated business and technology roadmap. Mm -hmm. But not only are they there to develop the plan, they actually are accountable for overseeing the execution of it. So they have individuals underneath them that are executing on these priorities. So we've also hired an enterprise architect um, where there's a danger in doing that that you stay so siloed that you don't necessarily get the the higher level advantage. So we have an enterprise architect where all that rolls up into an enterprise oh, picture. I right? was wondering about that because the silos can lead to little fiefdoms and absolutely, yeah. And that's where EAs mm. bring a, a balance to that. Yes. And you know we set up certain principles like cloud first, simplify the technology, mm-hmm. you know patient centric, user centric type of things. Where as we look at new products and opportunities, where we're weighing that against. Our our, our technology principles. Mm-hmm. Well, and that actually gives us a nice segue into how the um, how the business has been growing forward. You mentioned that y- your the focus was always on commercial on the commercial side, but now there's much more going on on the clinical side. Explain yeah. the difference and what that <laughs> means in a biopharmaceutical company. So the commercial side of the house is really focused on you know the su- successful. Um, 
adoption of a new product to market, right? Okay. Um, mm-hmm. On the clinical side, you're working on investigational assets to hopefully work towards an FDA approval so that you can have it commercially available. Essentially drugs in the pipeline. Yes, exactly. Right. Yep. yep. And you want to have mm-hmm. drugs in the pipeline so as patents expire, you have new products coming on so that, mm-hmm. you know, your revenue doesn't end up like this. So, yes. you know, the team's been, you know, the management team's been uh, very, very smart in making sure we have a very diversified portfolio. Mm-hmm. Well, and a, and a, a company in the biopharm industry that has been around since 1981 and has continued to grow. Yeah. You know, obviously there's something going on that's working well there. Yeah. Um, the, um, I, I always I always have to ask this, and sometimes the CIOs across the table just roll their eyes, but everybody talks <laughs> about digital transformation these days. Yeah. So I like to uh, bring up and ask, what does it actually mean for your company in your industry? Uh, and when we talked earlier, you had a very interesting reaction to the word transformation. <laughs> so I, let's talk about that. I don't <laughs> love um, the notion of transformation. It just feels so bohemian, like just gigantic and and you know overwhelming so for me like I'm a larva and now I'm a butterfly (laughs) yes that whole problem I I tend to be someone that's like paint the picture of what great looks like and then all your decisions along the way don't feel transformational they're just one more step closer to getting there so I'm a big believer in paint that vision of what good looks like and then we'll get there with these steps this is a a strategic plan to get us there okay okay well I had uh, recently at a um, CIO at a a similar to the word innovation yeah. and he said innovation always sounds like you're having to invent something new he says i'm much more tuned into ingenuity ah uh, i like that i, I like, like that, that as an i word and there was another um uh oftentimes we talk in this industry about uh cios having a helicopter view across the entire organization yeah. with that notion that you really do know all the systems that are running all the different functions but it started that, it, for one thing, it's old. It's been around for 20-plus years. And it started to feel to me like it, it's too much of an implied distance. The CIO mm. is floating above it all. Oh, yeah. So now <laughs> I like to talk about IT, and this fits in beautifully with healthcare, IT being more like a central nervous system yeah. for the company. I just really like that notion. Yeah, that uh, resonates with yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. It could be that I've just been talking to so many healthcare CIOs <laughs> lately, and it, you know, it's just been perfectly in, my mind. in tune with us. Yeah. <laughs> well, you mentioned um, you want a simplified landscape and cloud first, and you're very focused on business adoptability and yeah. design for flexibility. How does that? How does that spell out, or how does that work out in terms of the projects you have underway? What are the big technology initiatives that you have kind of rolling out over the next year? So I would. From near-term priorities. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, try to paint that picture of, you know, the experience of patient mode experience where everything is convenient and low cost and quality mm-hmm. outcomes um, mm-hmm. and, and protected um, as, as far as privacy goes. So that yeah. lends itself to what does AMAG need to do to get to that place and contribute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So two major th- themes, I would say, is get the data right. Um, okay. And the second one is how do you help on the patient journey side? So on mm-hmm. the data side, for us, we are putting in place a validated uh, CRM platform. Mm-hmm. We have multiple right now, so we're going to move to one tried and true one mm-hmm. and also complement that with master data management. So make sure we get our data in order before yeah. we start really driving analytics and business insights. Um, you mm-hmm. know, We have some level of that now, but uh, that's really going to be foundational and scalable. Okay. Uh, so on the, that's the commercial side. On the clinical side, we're, so we put in Viva Vault last year 
for regulatory information management and ETMF, mm-hmm. and then moving into next this year, uh, clinical trial management system. So we've outsourced, you know, all our data really sits in the CROs right now. So we really want to bring all of that internal. And a and CRO is a? A research organization, right? right? Okay. So th- they're, mm-hmm. they're doing a lot of that clinical work for us outside. Yeah. So we want to really take ownership of all that data. You know, a big change for us is really treating data as an asset. So bringing okay. it inside, arming people with the, the data they need to drive analytics and business insights. So mm-hmm. that's on the clinical side. And then we're also implementing a, a safety platform for adverse event reporting as well wow. with um, okay. also using AI as an intake. So everything's about scalability and flexibility. So as we add more products and volume increases, you know, you're not staffing up the whole organization. You really have technology in place to, to keep and remain, mm-hmm. you know, a lean, mean organization, yeah. so to speak. Well, and, and you say lean, mean. You've got um, uh, AMAG is about a little over 500 people, yeah. total employees, but you're doing this with an IT staff of around 25, did yeah, you tell me? Yeah, that's right. All right. Yeah. That's a lot of hardworking people. <laughs> There's it a lot of hardworking like, people. It sounds like you've got a lot going on. Yeah. Um, when you think ahead, after these particular things get accomplished, have you also envisioned next year and into 2021? We have. Um, okay. um, so we do have a multi-year a feeling, <laughs> you know, with your engineering approach to things. Yeah, um, yeah. We, we do. And I think, um, you well, so I didn't uh, talk about the patients out of the house. So last year, okay. you know, we did the social media management platform. This year is about social listening and a text messaging platform. Mm-hmm. Um, so helping on the patient journey and also getting our data in order. I think over the following years, it's really bringing in an enterprise data wa- warehouse Okay. You know, bringing all that data, not yeah. just not just clinical, but making sure across the board we have all that da- data internally, um, mm-hmm. and and making sure that we continue to secure the organization. Okay. Yeah. Um, the um, one of the other one we were talking about the the business growth and the kind of things that are going on with the company. Uh, you'd mentioned that one of the goals is formalizing um, a merger and acquisition playbook. Yeah. What has been happening since you joined in the M&A space, and is this something that AMAG is likely to accelerate in the future? Yeah. Um, you know, we just have a, a great management team that's always looking for the next best opportunity to make us even better as an organization. So, yeah. you know, we have had a number of acquisitions lately. We just um, acquired a company called Paris Fair. Um, so mm-hmm. we're bringing more assets in-house. We also last year uh, divested one area of the business, which was the core blood registry. Mm-hmm. So we really need to be good at execution. There's hard deadlines on how do you separate technologies or bring in yeah. and, and merge technologies. So, you know, it's important that that goes smoothly. Mm-hmm. Um, that has visibility all the way up to the board that, you know, really needs to be right. You're bringing more people, especially in an acquisition, bringing more people onto the team, and you you got to help them acclimate as quickly as possible so that mm-hmm. you can all move forward together faster yeah. in results. So I think we are working on an IT um, M&A playbook to make sure that we're very thoughtful, comprehensive, and also fast. Mm-hmm. How do you, as a CIO, how do you venture into the, um, the M&A world? Because you haven't been deeply involved in it previous, so this is yeah. your, your first fun experience <laughs> with getting involved yes. on the merger. I've been more involved with M&A much more in AMAG than any other uh, yeah. uh, role yeah. that I've had in the past. Um, I, I just think there's, there's great um, leaders within AMAG. Everyone kind of knows their own space, and they're yeah. so collaborative, and, you know, they – Technology has a seat at the table. They bring us in early. We're not getting surprised in the 11th hour. Um, They -hmm. appreciate the value that technology is bringing to the table to make sure that we're doing the right level of due diligence and planning to make sure the the assimilation process is smooth. So, um, you know, 
it's been fantastic on how respected the technology mm -hmm. has been. Yeah. Is this one of the areas where you're able to tap into your other CIO friends in life sciences? Is it a Slack discussion uh, <laughs> thread? I don't mm -hmm. know if I'd have to tap on too many peers for that uh, mm -hmm. necessarily. I really rely on the the leaders on my team. A lot of them have a lot of experience with M and A, okay. and I trust them, mm -hmm. and um, they're very much trusted by my my business colleagues as well, and, yeah. and they drive a lot of that. Okay. Well, I think that's excellent about tech having a seat at the table. Yeah. Because the, over the years when I've interviewed CIOs, that's been one of the uh, the biggest failings that companies can have is like they'll be getting ready to sign the contracts and they'll say, oh, we should get IT involved in this. <laughs> you know? Can you imagine? That I would know. just be, oh, that would be <laughs> awful. Um, the, uh, as you, you mentioned, pivoting to expand development capabilities in the clinical development areas. Um, how does how does the talent acquisition play into that for you? Do you find a lot of times when I talk to CIOs, especially in the Boston area, it's like 0.001% IT unemployment, so it can be very hard to find yeah. talent. What is your experience with that? As far as hiring within technology or supporting the growth of the clinical with, area? Within technology. Within technology? Yeah. Yeah, I, it's a hot market right now, getting yeah. the right talent. Um, the thing I've seen really um, impressive is the people coming in to interview mm -hmm. just get such a good impression of all the leaders within AMAG. They can really feel the sense of collaboration and ah. team mm -hmm. um, that draws people. And I think also having a focus in women's health, a lot of, or even in anemia, but like in, in these therapeutic areas, sometimes people have a personal connection yeah. um, with, with the work that's being done in the organization. And mm -hmm. it, it is a bit of a draw. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned that too, that for you, you felt like your heart was really in life sciences. Yeah. I, you know, I, 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 you know, I've, like mm -hmm. I said, I've been in high tech and financial and they're all wonderful but I think being in pharma it's easy to get out of bed every morning you know you're impacting you know somebody's health or life or you mm -hmm. know is potentially yeah. saving lives I'm not going to be a doctor ever <laughs> right. so this is right. how I can play a role in that and uh, you know it, it is easy to be motivated okay good well I wanted to circle back and talk a little bit more about uh, data analytics and, sure. and the idea of moving toward an enterprise data warehouse and that do you think eventually you'll need like a chief data officer or it does that fall to the CIO there's only so many things CIOs can do and their roles get overwhelming so how do you how do you approach that from a leadership aspect in terms of having the kind of data assets and your talent that you need to do this yeah um, you know you talk about innovation you know yeah. the way I frame that with my team is around meaningful innovation right okay. so I think we're working now on our enterprise data warehouse strategy, mm -hmm. and we want to do it in a thoughtful way that's going to add value sooner yeah. um, and not just go after everything all at once. Where are the best opportunities to do that? So I think we're working through that now, mm -hmm. and that's one of our bigger deliverables this year. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned, too, that you're also under development for an enterprise technology strategy. Yes. Yes. How is that different from a run-of-the-mill regular technology strategy. What is the part that makes that enterprise tech strategy? Um, I, You know, it's been a really um, important part of, of the role that I do right now is – you know, I learned a lot about our business um, mm -hmm. just going through this. Like I said, I, I was sat in every interview. I think hearing not only where the company wants to go, um, but it, I think it also puts some good 
it's almost like a forcing function for all of us to be strategic because you're asking leaders across the organization what what's your vision for yeah. where you want to go and I don't I think some people probably have never been in a position where they were asked that um, right. yeah. so getting yeah. more people to articulate that helps to weave together a, a plan that's making sure we have the right technology when the organization needs it and getting mm -hmm. alignment around that and I think um, you know I, I, it's it's really pulling together um, what's best for the enterprise as okay. a whole. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, one of the, uh, tell me a little bit more about your cloud strategy. You have, it is a cloud-first strategy, meaning you're going to look uh, at a cloud platform before you build something internally. How much are you in the cloud now, uh, kind of percentage-wise? Every, everything's in the cloud for everything. us. Yes, oh, we have right. no real on-prem for anything. Oh, that's kind of yeah. a... It's refreshing. Minus a lot of headaches there, <laughs> I've, right? I've been in yeah. roles where there's like a 10-year plan to get there. And, yes. you know, coming to AMAG was quite refreshing. So we very oh, well positioned to be very okay. scalable and flexible going forward, just yeah. given the nature. So that's why we're very careful with governance to make sure we're looking at these principles and respecting them as we bring new products in-house. Yeah, yeah. Is, um, is the governance, back to the dreaded yeah. G word, um, is it essential? Is that something written down? Are there principles around it? Or is it simply the practical aspects that come out of the, the the business goals that the CEO sets. Yeah, so as part of that enterprise tech strategy, one of it is, is oh. getting your technology principles on paper. Mm -hmm. So we're in that process of talking to all the business leaders to make sure these are the right principles and that we're all in alignment and agreement that those are them. Yeah. And with that new EA role, what that role will bring to, uh, to the governance process this year is formal architectural reviews for all new investments. Mm -hmm. So you're making sure you're doing a level of review that's reflective of those principles. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. The um, Let's talk a little bit more about innovation. Um, you, when you, at the end of 2017, you put together a vision for this transformative path forward in yeah. the organization. Um, and then it, th as you got into 2018, you were shifting more around focusing on specific processes. Yeah. What, um, do you have, is it a structured approach to innovation or is it more unstructured? Is it one of those innovation is everybody's job or? <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, it's a, so I think for for our technology organization, we kind of had a crawl, then walk, and now yeah. I think we're off and running. Um, okay. So I, you know, making something too formalized around innovation probably wouldn't have gone over well because we really mm -hmm. had to make sure we we address some fundamental um, you know uh, areas. Yeah. So for innovation for us for nineteen to you know part of that goal setting um, conversation that I had with my leadership team was everyone's accountable for having something related to innovation in their weighted goals uh, for okay. the year. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it's not about it has to be successful because I think that, you know, failure is just as important as, as success. It's, it's about trying something, mm -hmm. trying to learn more about the business and come up with an idea on how to solve a problem. That yes. to me is meaningful innovation. It helps the business move forward. Yeah. Um, so we are structuring that this year to take personal accountability um, from a technology perspective, but I hope to, my, my aspiration is to raise it up to also maybe get something more cross-functional in the organization to drive that. I, okay. you know, I meet with, yeah. you know, business leaders all the time. There's such a great passion. I mean, it probably starts with Bill, our, our president, mm -hmm. but um, all the leaders I meet with have such great passion around innovation. You know, mm -hmm. there's excitement when you talk about AI. It, you know, that doesn't just come from technology or digital marketing, it's, it's everywhere. All right. Well, good. Well, let's talk more about 
uh, AI, because sure. emerging tech trends, I'm interested in the ones that impact bar the biopharmaceutical market itself, and AI, robotics, machine learning, they all come up a lot these days with CIOs, but you're actually, you're doing work in AI right now. D yeah. Talk about what you have going on. So um, last year, um, we had a big focus on information security. So we yes. put in a number of technologies to, to help bring better visibility to the data and how it's moving and making mm -hmm. sure that we were able to detect and, and prevent. Part of that was, you know, stepping into AI with um, the next-gen antivirus. So making sure, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, the threat landscape is constantly changing yes um so ai or, or machine learning is, is a perfect technology to understand how it in and how it's evolving and then making sure we're protecting the organization accordingly so yeah. it's a it's a good fit with security in my mind mm -hmm. um and then going into 19 we are leveraging like i said for that safety platform so that intake process will learn you know what type of events are being reported and can you automate a lot of that yes. in well, and I, I recently talked with a CIO who was saying that a lot of his focus is starting to shift to trying to find and ferret out the things that have gotten into the system that you're not as aware of. Yeah. You know, it yeah. used to be protecting the perimeter, and now, especially with all the partners you work with, yes. with a lot of the data in the cloud and all, it's more about knowing you've been invaded. Yeah, and um, I, I almost see it as like um, mm -hmm. most companies should make sure they're using a managed service provider because yeah. then you're you're paying for experts in the mm -hmm. field with big armies of, of security engineers to really yeah. understand it all and stay on top of it for you. Yes. And then inside you have a responsibility to make sure you have all the right technology controls in place mm -hmm. to detect and feed off to those. But your, your managed service provider is going to be the one that's, you know, 24-7 monitoring. And, and yeah. you, you know, you need a team that really knows how to respond quickly to mm -hmm. these incidents in, in, in a meaningful way to really shut things down early yeah. and learn from them. Have you, um, have you changed or has, has uh, AMAG changed the way user education is done around cybersecurity? Um, I wouldn't say we changed. I think we're mm -hmm. actually pretty effective. Uh, you know, uh, it, we have... Uh, a great information security officer named Don Cook, um, really putting in place the right type of campaigns to bring okay. awareness to the, the field force. You've seen the, our numbers are fantastic mm -hmm. um, as seeing the, the progress of putting out these campaigns. I just think our workforce is really smart and, and they learn well. And I think mm -hmm. security in general almost is like an interesting topic for anybody in the, yes. in the company. Yes. And uh, I think everybody goes through certain onboarding training and all that. And I think there's an excitement about it and people are good about it. Well, and, and I think too that uh, the I'm always telling my help desk there's the the whole the sue issue the stupid user errors <laughs> you know where I you've opened up an email and uh, I think we're all getting better now about catching the phishing stuff yeah. I've gotten so paranoid about it that I, I at one point I missed some important email from HR yeah because I thought of when I saw it I thought it looked like a phishing thing and I sent it to the help desk and they said uh, no, it's okay if you open this yeah, one. Yeah, but you almost want that level of paranoia. It's healthy for the company. They were very encouraging, too. They said, good for you. Yeah. That, you know, you sent over an important HR email saying, this looks like phishing to me. Yeah, and I um, think even our board yeah. is very engaged with cybersecurity. They're inviting yes. us to come give updates because they very much want to understand what that looks like and how it impacts the company and what we're doing about it. Yes. So there's great top-down, you know, support mm -hmm. around information security. And um, what are, and as we, as we wrap up here, <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about um, your view of IT leadership and um, balancing the competing demands on your role, which are every bit as much 
business as they are technology related, um, what are what would you counsel your CIO friends about being a great CIO and the things that you've found that um, really work well for you? Um, in my mind, you know, I almost think of it not even so much as a CIO but as a business leader. Um, okay. I have to put it in a plug for the Patriots because the Super Bowl is coming up. But I kind of think like these leaders. <laughs> by all means, we love that around here. <laughs> but I almost think you have to be sort of the Bill Belichick of the business world. You've got to okay. engineer the right team to build a lasting dynasty. Oh, and and right. I think that's how you handle the demands. If you have all the right team uh, members on, on your team, yeah. you're going to execute and you're going to mm -hmm. execute well. So I, I think it's really about forming the right team for okay. the right talent. Well, and you mentioned, too, when we talked about this before, the governance word came up again. You yes. talked about cross-functional governance. Yes. And by that, you mean technology and business all. I all mean, together. Cross-functional is uh, way outside of IT. Yeah, it and, gets, and yeah. technology should never make decisions in a vacuum, ever, because they're not going to make the yeah. right ones. It's mm -hmm. really getting multiple perspectives together and make a better decision. And yep. I, I think that's the critical to everybody's success. Okay. And uh, last question I had for you was <laughs> about... Um, women in IT yeah. and, uh, you know, getting more gender and racial and educational diversity into IT. I know this is a, a focus for you. And, yeah. Uh, so what, uh, how did that come about and what do you do about it? Mm -hmm. So I'll share a quick story. Mm -hmm. I was at a conference for CIOs a few years back. I won't yeah. say when. Um, and after a keynote, I went to go meet a colleague. So I go up to the colleague and he introduced me to the, to the rest of the group, which I didn't know. And they said, okay, everybody, this is Shannon Gath. And the first comment was, oh, is that your wife? Because it was more likely mm -hmm. that I was somebody's wife than a CIO. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that was a catalyst for me to say, okay, we need to change this. And the worst part about it, the person that said that was the only female CIO in that group. So if we can't even see ourselves in these oh, roles, you know, it, yeah. it's going to hold us back. So mm -hmm. I, I think for me, that's something I carry with me everywhere. I'm a, a big advocate for women, you know. Yes. So I, I'll invest a ton of time in that space. I, you know, I was in 2018 was the chair of our women's network at AMAG, and mm -hmm. I, I sit on the advisory board for the women's network for the Boston Chamber of Commerce as well. Mm -hmm. So trying to reach out and make sure that we continue to make progress and change. I'm a big um, believer in getting to an equitable environment for everybody, but it's got to be men and women working together to solve for that gender gap. It oh, can't yeah. just be women. Yeah. So, you know, th that's really what I approach, um, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and try to lead with. Good. Good for you. Yeah. I, I've just, I've had, uh, I increasingly have conversations oftentimes with male CIOs who, you know, are either talking about the efforts they have underway or they are in an exploratory mode because they know they really need to do this and they want to do it. They want to get the talent diversity is actually what drives the innovation and Absolutely. Uh, you know, and the transformation word as well, right? And we certainly have a long way to go yeah, uh, in I IT. I totally agree. I know I look around at my, as I'm putting together agendas for my different events because I do 10 of them during the year and I, you know, I tend to go after you know the CIOs that are have great stories to tell and are responding to me and usually there's some point where I stop and look at her and I'm like do I just have all 50 something white guys <laughs> gonna sit on stage not that there's anything wrong with 50 something white guys um, but it's just and I've had uh, women come up to me at the at our events if it was a panel where it ended up you know being all men, all men. on the panel they, they you know we're noticing 
people are noticing. And it doesn't count that I'm on stage. No, but, I, you know, I think it's, you know, if yeah. you watched 60 Minutes last year, you had Mark Benioff on there. Yes. And mm-hmm. he was basically out there saying diversity is my top priority. And when you have more and more leaders doing that, yes. I think you're starting to see changes. I mean, back in my earlier days, I was the only female at the, at the leadership table. Yes. forever and then now it's very different like you know it's now mm-hmm. it's a much more almost a 50 50 split in most of the environments that i'm in and that's a, yeah. a great change it's not everywhere well no and it's not and, and we have a there's a huge percentage of women in it it's like 50 60 percent even yeah. but when you get up to it leadership levels it gets into yes. the single digits absolutely so definitely something that we will keep working yeah. on so all right we will expect great things from <laughs> amag in the future on that well i guess your team is already very diverse you yeah. said you probably have half that are women and different minorities. AMAG as a whole yeah. is a great, um, you know, split of women versus men. It's a, a great right. environment to work in. Okay, good. We will head into the future with that. <laughs> thank you so much for your time today. Oh. Uh, and thank our audience for uh, joining in and um, taking part in this conversation with uh, Shannon Gath from AMAG Pharmaceuticals. We will see you back here again. I have a special way for you to celebrate Valentine's Day. On February 14th, I will be here at 10 in the morning talking with Christy Grinnell, who is the CIO at General Dynamics Information Technology. So we hope you will join us then. And if you tuned in late to my conversation with Shannon, by all means, check out CIO.com. On our homepage, we have links where you can get to the entire video conversation here. And we also put this as an audio podcast on all the places where you get podcasts. So thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you again next time.